Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Mike's on He's ready to go On the fan New York Sports Radio Mike's on Mike's on To get you the sports And it win that he can It's Mike Francis On the fan Sports Radio 66 And 101.9 FM all right, on this Thursday, the 18th day of June, we come to you, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, as always, brought to you by those who drink it. I will be with you until 7, JJ, at that time. Um, they played golf again today. Last week's tournament went off very well. Golf, obviously, uh, fits very well with what's going on in the world. Uh, they uh, had a very good first week at the Colonial. They're playing today at, uh, down in Hilton Head at the RBC Heritage at Hilton Head. Um, the guys who went out early put up the best scores. Ian Poulter, 7-under. Uh, hey, he's a dangerous player, especially at Ryder Cup time. He won't win the tournament. Uh, Hubbard, 7-under. A bunch of guys at six under, a world of players between three and seven under par. Most of the guy, I mean, Webb Simpson this afternoon and Ryan Palmer this afternoon were the best scores in the afternoon. It was harder to play in the afternoon. Dustin Johnson would have had a great round, except he uh, hit the ball in the water and got a triple bogey. Uh, otherwise, he was three over on that hole. Otherwise, he would have been uh, nine on. He, would, he could have had a eight and nine on the day today very easily. Uh, he, had, he had a three under with a triple bogey on the backside, and left three or four of the putts very, very close. But that's typical, DJ. Uh, but he finished the day three under. There's a world of players, three, four, five under par. The whole world's there, I mean, at, at that. So uh, that's where we are after one day. Um, with, the, with the golf, which will set up pretty well for the weekend, should be competitive again. There's a lot of people close. Um, the last couple of minutes, the story has been Jamal Adams. You know, in all the years that I've been here doing this, dealt with a lot of players on a lot of teams, and you can see the ones, no matter whether they're really talented or not. Like, I, I, I told you guys that Shockey was never going to be great here. I could see that Beckham was never going to work out here like everyone hoped he was going to work out here. And there's sometimes players that you can just tell no matter what you do for them, not going to be happy. And I just sense that with Adams. Adams is a good player. No one's going to doubt he's a good player except one thing. He acts like he's playing one game and he's not responsible for any of the things that happen with the Jets. The Jets are 16 and 32 when he's been on the field. A lot of those games have been one-sided losses. 
He's played well. He's a talented kid. But, you know, number one, the team has been a terrible team. They haven't averaged six wins a year in his three years with the team. He's won 16 games. And he's part of that. He, did, he wasn't part of the solution. He was part of the problem. Yes, he's a talented player. Yes, he can be a pro bowl or an all-pro player. He's an all-pro talent. But what he's got to learn is that part of that is helping turn teams around. That's when you're worth that kind of money, when you help turn teams around, not just make a play or get a sack in a game that shows up that you made a play or got a sack in a game that you lost by two touchdowns. It's about winning. It's about creating a winning atmosphere and being a leader and being a winning player and help change the culture of these teams. That's what the Jets need. They need someone who can do that. They've proved they can lose with, Ron, with Adams, with Jamal Adams. They've already proved that. They've lost for three years with him. They're 16 and 32 in the games he's played. And he wants to get a ton of money. Listen, I have always had a very strong belief about this. Players should get rewarded for whatever they do. They, get, they play great. They get paid great. I'm all for it. More power to you. Get every dollar. If you've heard me through the years, you know that. Go to free agency, get every dollar. Play well, get every dollar. Signed a $22 million guaranteed contract with a big signing bonus. He's going to make $22 million over the first four years. There's an option Jets have for the fifth year at $9.9 million. Jets got a good contract. No one made him sign that contract. He signed that contract. You honor that contract. Then it's your turn. They franchise you for one year. All right, you live with that because they're going to pay you a ton of money if they franchise you that year. You're going to make a lot of money. The way the franchise system works, you get paid. And then you're free to leave. And then you'll get your mega contract. But here's what players want now. No, I want to get protected early. All right, I want to get protected early in case I get hurt. I want to get that monster second contract with the big signing bonus and all that guaranteed money in case I get hurt. Well, here's the thing. Oh, yeah, they did it for Mahomes. Well, heck, you do it for Mahomes too because you're trying to lock Mahomes up for his whole career. And you're going to do it for a player who changes the fabric of your franchise because you're trying, because at that point, the team says, I'm going to rip up this first contract because I want to make sure that there's not a chance in the world that that guy can walk out the door. Well, if the Jets felt that way about Adams, they would rip up the contract and give him a deal that made sure he doesn't walk out that door. But why would you do that when you're 16 and 32? What is it you're trying to save or restore or make sure it doesn't change when you're 16 and 32 in the last three years? What is it with the franchise that you're trying to capture, that you're trying to make sure it doesn't change when you're 16 and 32 in your last three seasons? See, that's the number that counts. Nothing else. Pro Bowl, played well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the best players in my position. Doesn't matter. Team that hasn't done a thing. That's when you get paid, especially as a defensive player. You know, offensive players put up stats, they're going to get paid. 
That's the way the game is played. You can be an offensive player, be a flashy offensive player, and make some money on a bad team. Defensive players, it's much harder to do. Now you get a whole lot of stats, they're going to pay you. Because you know what? That's just the way it works. He is a very talented player. I wouldn't take that away from him. But he also is never, ever happy. And if I'm the Jets, I'm looking at it as, am I ever going to be able to make this guy happy? Or am I always going to have a problem? Is something always going to be a problem? Is something that happens after this going to be a problem? Is the coach going to be the problem? Is the system going to be the problem? I don't like the guy next to me. He's going to be the problem. Or what's going to be the problem? Or I need more money after I get that money. Some guys, you can't make them happy. Is he one of those guys? He signed the contract. Nobody put a gun to his head. And he, it's not like he didn't get paid a decent buck. Is he better than the money than the contract? He's got talent. Has he changed this team? No. Has he impacted this team in a way where you say, wow, I can't lose that guy because look what he's meant to us. Look what he's made us. They are 16 and 32. Many weeks non-competitive. If I'm the Jets, I want to change all that. I don't want any part of that. I'm going to have somebody hold me hostage when I'm, when I'm 16 and 32 in my last three years? What am I, nuts? You know, Branch Rickey had a player walk in once and say, hey, I got to get more money. And you know what Rickey said to him? I lost with you. I can lose without you. Same thing the Jets can say to Adams. Hey, I've lost with you. I can lose without you. We, we haven't come close. Now, is he part of the solution? Prove it. Be part of the solution. Finish your contract. And then you know what? If you're that good and the team's improved, you'll get every single dollar that's coming to you. But what happens now is players want it right now. They want to make sure they got their insurance policy. They don't want to wait. What happens if I get hurt? This team's not any good. How do I know I'm even going to you know, have the bargaining position? They might make me look bad. And one thing he's done that I don't like is he's made it, here's me, there's them. No, no. It's one team. You either help lead that team or you're not invaluable to me. If you lead that team, if you teach those guys how to win, if you can lead them and make them winners, you're invaluable to me. I'll pay anything you want. 16 wins over three years. Hard to scream that you're invaluable. Don't want three more years like the ones they just played. Want it to be a lot better. Make that happen. Then worry about getting paid back after this. You know, um, as you probably have seen today, one of the most famous people in the world is 78 years old today, Paul McCartney one of the few people who can actually say they changed the world. There are very few people who are on the earth who could actually say they changed the world. Paul McCartney and the Beatles, they changed the world. There's no question. That's how big their impact was. 
they changed everything. If you were on the, if you're young enough to have seen them come over, if you understood what uh, they meant to the culture, what happened when Sergeant Pepper's happened, all, all the different things that we grew up with, and I was right in that era when I was, you know, ten years old when they came over, and the whole thing. So you know, if you're that age, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know how big the Beatles were. Not just how talented they were and how they changed music, but the impact they had everywhere they went. It was incredible. There was nothing like it. We'd never seen anything like it. But here's the thing about Paul McCartney, who, as you know, uh, has had an incredible life uh, as one of, as since he's been in his early 20s, one of the most famous people in the world, one of the most photographed people in the world. Uh, incredibly wealthy, as you know. Here's my Paul McCartney story, because I actually have met Paul McCartney. I was going to the Nick game one night, and at the time, he doesn't work at the Garden anymore, but my good friend Barry Watkins, who ran, uh, who worked at the Garden, was one of the executives, called me up and said, listen, I want you to sit next to someone at the Garden tonight, because I was going over to see the game. And he said, someone said, you know, just so you can talk basketball and make them feel comfortable, they're going to the game tonight, you know, so I said, okay. Who is he? He goes, no, no, that's a surprise. I said, okay. So I... Went to the game. I sat down. I was sitting in like the fourth row court side. In comes by himself Paul McCartney. And I'm like, you know, taken aback. Oh, my God, it's Paul McCartney. So he sits down. Now, interesting, the fourth row. There are a lot of people who go to the garden and ask for seats. They have celebrity row. There was someone there that night who demanded to be in the first row. I won't say who they are. And would not go to the game unless they had tickets in the front row. They get that sometimes, that kind of demand. Okay, I'm not going to say who the person was. But that person is in the same universe as Paul McCartney. And Paul McCartney demanded not to sit in the first row. He said, please do not put me in that first row. I'd rather sit back. So he, he asked to sit back. Most of the people demand to sit or ask to sit in the first row. A lot of them demanded. Someone that night demanded, I know as a fact, to sit in the first row. And I'm not going to say who it is. No reason to do that. But he actually asked not to. So I sat with him, and the easiest going, most delightful guy you could have, a great personality, friendly to everybody. I mean, so we sat there. I went in at halftime with him to, you know, as you get up and go inside for the halftime. I went inside for the halftime with him. He asked me to go inside with him, so I went inside. We were standing around, and he comes back, and he says, oh, can I have a picture? And I'm like, Cole McCartney, I have a picture. Well, it turns out his wife is from Long Island, and she grew up listening to me, okay? And her son, and she had listened to me with her father. and her, So long story short, she was there now. She met him at halftime, and she comes over, and she was a fan of the program. She had grown up listening to Mike and the Mad Dog, uh, and her son was a big Mike and the Mad Dog fan. And Paul says, you know, hey, get a picture, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we did that. But she told me some amazing things because I talked to her at halftime. Uh, her father was a big industrial, you know, very successful industrialist. They lived out in the Hamptons, but they listened to Mike and the Mayor a lot growing up. And she met Paul and they got married. Um, and she told me that the way he travels, wherever he goes, he doesn't need a lot of security, doesn't need a lot of anything. Wherever he goes, people just take care of him. Like they, they, they just love him. So he can go anywhere and he's like, 
walk down the street and nobody bothers him. He doesn't worry about security. Other people show up with bodyguards and this and that. He doesn't worry about any of that stuff. He's just the most carefree, casual guy in the world. And it's just, it's true. He just acts that way. It's remarkable for someone who you would think probably, you know, thinks, you know, has a lot of security and this and a lot of, you know, has to be this way and all these things. And, you know, I could tell you about people who go there as celebrities and have, you know, five and six and, and, and eight details of bodyguards. He didn't have anybody with him, as an example. Um, it was amazing to meet someone who is that renowned and that successful and just is the most carefree person and all these years I think about him, he, he never stops traveling, they ta- he told me. And he just likes to meet people wherever he goes. And this is the life he's led for all these years. So uh, on his 78th birthday, I was thinking about that today. So, uh, I mean, it was a fascinating look at him that you would have never expected. Because as anyone who has grown up, you know, knowing that the Beatles were bigger than life, okay? I mean, that's how big he's been since... He was 20 years old, so he's lived with this for almost 60 years, this kind of fame that has destroyed people, the kind of fame that you know, drove Elvis crazy, the kind of fame that people say is so suffocating. He has not only learned to live with it, he's actually enjoyed it. He's actually thrived in it. He is the complete antithesis of what you hear about someone who's that famous because you hear about how suffocating he is. They can't go here. They can't go there. They can't do this. He does all of it. And I actually can tell you another time I was in Nantucket, I saw him walking down the street. He was on the other side of the street, so I didn't bother him. But he was just rolling, walking along about a, a, a summer later. And there he was, just walking along by himself. That's, that's how he exists. And so different than you would think of someone of that magnitude, who has, like I said, is one of the more famous people in the world. He's a Beatle. He is one of the, he's Lennon McCartney. He's one of the, you know, he's not just musical royalty, he's royalty. And he is one of the more, you know, renowned people on the planet. And it's amazing how he lives. He lives the way you would want someone to live, but I don't think too many people who get to that position live that way. They seem so guarded and so protected. He seemed the direct opposite of all that, completely. And it was, it was fascinating to see. It really was. So uh, a very happy birthday to him uh, at the age of amazingly 78 because you wonder where the time goes. Because I remember as a kid when we used to have these stupid beetle wigs. When we were like 10 years old in class, like, you know, in, in Catholic school, the kids would, the guys would put on these, these crazy beetle wigs. And, you know, you wanted, to, you wanted to have the beetle look and the shaggy hair and the whole thing. I mean, it was, that's how big they were when they went on Ed Sullivan and the whole thing. And when Sergeant Pepper happened, it kind of changed everything. You know, even people who consider themselves athletes wore bell bottoms in those days. I mean, that's just the way the world went. And then the, your hair got longer and you wore bell bottoms, and that's the way the 60s were, 67, 68, 69, or, you know, that time of, uh, of life. So, I mean, they had such an incredible impact on the culture, not just the American culture, the world culture. And he's still around doing what he does at the age of, uh, 
78. Remarkable life. It really has been for him. I, 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 an amazing life when you think about it. One of the more remarkable uh, existences that you could ever imagine. The things he's seen, the things he's accomplished, the things he's done, unbelievable. Really, it's, a, it's a, what he's packed into 78 years. He's packed, he's packed you know, 20 lifetimes into those, into those years. All right, before we take a break, then we'll squeeze some calls in. Uh, tomorrow, let me tell you first, Belmont Stakes is Saturday, as you know. They also are going to have, uh, there's no fans in, but you can wager on it. They're also going to have a bunch of other stakes on the card, so it's a very good card. If you're a horse racing player or you dabble in the Belmont, um, tomorrow night I will have Brad Thomas with me for the entire show from 6 to 7. We will do the other stakes races where I, uh, I talked to Brad today. He's going to give you a thought and a winner on each of the stake races. And Brad doesn't give you two to fives. Uh, and then we'll analyze the entire Belmont. I think there's probably an unbeatable horse there. We'll see if Brad feels the same way. Tis the law has been that impressive. Uh, there's no such thing as an unbeatable horse and an ho- unbeatable horse ever. Even Secretariat got beat. But I think this horse comes up to the race very, very well. Barkley Tag, I saw his trainer say that he thinks he's coming. He's sitting on a big effort. Barkley Tag doesn't usually say things that are boastful. He said he thought his horse was sitting on a big effort. Um, he has been very, very impressive. Remember, the Belmont is different this year. It's not only the first leg of the Triple Crown. It will be run at a mile and an eighth because of, obviously, the craziness. See, any sport that has wanted a different – and I hope this is not a change they've wanted because years ago – there used to be a thought of changing the Belmont because people said, horses don't run a mile and a half anymore. Don't make them run a mile and a half. I hope they go back to the mile and a half. I think they will. A lot of sports are looking for changes. Like if baseball, if baseball comes back, and I think it looks like they're going to, I know the players tried to push a little bit on the onus today. We'll see if that causes a real reaction. I also worry about the pandemic starting to rear its head in certain places. I hope that doesn't throw a uh, monkey wrench into all these sports as they try to come back. Um, but leagues are trying to start things like the NBA wants to start on Christmas day. They might be moving towards that. The NFL has always wanted to start later. They might be moving to that. They've wanted to sneak the DH past the Madison league fans. They're going to do that with this baseball when it comes back. They've also wanted to get to more playoff teams. They're going to do that when they come back. So, everyone in in sports is using this time to get changes in that they've wanted to implement for years as a time where, hey, everything's in upheaval anyway, so let's change it now. That's what's going on. So tomorrow night, Belmont preview, uh, 6 o'clock. Brad will be with me the whole hour. There's nobody better. Uh, So if you like horse racing, I know you wait for Brad to come on each year uh, and give you his thoughts on the races. He will do that uh, tomorrow, not just the Belmont, but all the stakes. So you just get a a pen and pad ready, and he'll give you the winners uh, and give you the long shots in these races, okay? All right, uh, Mickey and Bernie today. I saw somebody put out a list of the all-time switch-hitting team today. Somebody sent me that list. I agree with a lot of it. I didn't agree with all of it. I've obviously always been... uh, Fascinated by switch hitters. Switch hitters are only 6% of the history of baseball. 6%. And there's been very few power hitting switch hitters. Of course, I am prone to that because of the fact that I was a Mickey Mantle guy, and obviously he's the greatest switch hitter of all time, still is, always will be. Um, But interesting team that they put together. Now, uh, 
for Bernie, it was 618. 2001, he went two for five with the three-run homer. 12, 38, 313 on this date. For Mickey, it was 65, which was the beginning of the transformation from dynasty to the team collapsing. Mickey was off to a bad start in 65. There were a lot of injuries. This was Johnny Keene coaching the team. They were going to slip to sixth, managing the team. They were going to slip from the World Series to the sixth place. The sixth place. A lot of the Yankees got old. A lot of them started to get injured. Uh, Mickey actually was batting fifth in, uh, in this game. Believe it or not, fifth. They moved Ellie up to fourth because Mickey was hitting 240, which is amazing. Mantle always was in the three or four spot. Always. And even up to 68, he was. But on this day, he was batting fifth, which I, I haven't seen. I don't remember seeing a batting order like that in forever. Uh, he went one for three, hit the grand slam in the first inning. They beat a good Twins team. Twins were good. Yankees were bad. But he hit a grand slam in the first inning. It held up. It was his 10th homer of the year. He had 24 RBIs. He was only hitting 240. It was the beginning of the last four years, which really have no relation to the first 14. Uh, he was around for the money and little else and just padded his home run stats. There was very little that came out of it other than that. Filling, filling buildings, giving fans one more glimpse, and getting to 536 homers. Otherwise, it was negative from 65 to 68. Back after this. So, Belmont preview tomorrow night. Uh, we'll get to your calls now. We should start with Ira. Why not? Uh, Ira in Staten Island joins us. What's up, Ira? Hey, good evening. My great story about McCartney. I loved it. That was really, really good. I, I, I'm yeah. telling you, he, I, he could not have been more casual and more uh, open than anybody like that you'd have ever met in your life. Just amazing. And, yeah, yeah I don't know how much your audience really is old enough to remember him, but you, you're so right on, you know. He just, he, the Beatles changed the world. No, they did, yeah. It changed the culture, no question. I mean, they changed everything. I absolutely, I, I totally agree. I mean, they were bigger than anything we've ever seen. All right, Jamal Adams, go ahead. Okay, here we go. We, you know, when you started the Sunday show back in March when this pandemic started, we spoke about it, and I knew before the draft this is where it was headed. Everything you said, I totally agree with you. Um, the Jets have, listen, they have him on the contract. They and do, and he signed the contract. That's it. And you know That's what? It's not a terrible contract. Well, I mean, he's outperformed it, but guess what? Yeah, he's so what? So that happens. You know, that happens once in a while. It, it does happen, and you'll, get, you know, if, and you'll get yours when you get to be a free agent. Totally agree. How about players that get the big contracts and they underperform? They don't right. get the money back. Right. So, listen, listen. The, the bottom line here is you're right with the record. Uh, listen, but you can't compel the, you can't compel performance, and that's the always I can hold back performance, and that's where character comes in. You can never, if you're a real player, threaten to hold back performance, and you can't use you cannot use Patrick Mahomes as an example. The guy just won the Super Bowl. Well, that's what he, you see. That's what he pictures himself. He looks at like himself, like Brady, and yeah. And except he's six and thirty. He's sixteen and thirty-two. Win some games, I know, which is a joke. And guess what? Like you said, they could they could win with him, and then they've lost more with him. So they could just move on. But the bottom line here is, um, I think how it's going to play out. I think the Jets going to call his bluff. I think he's going to sit out like Trent Williams did and like Bell did, and I get it. He's got you know that forty thousand with the new CBA, but for three and a half million. Then you know what? As soon as he as soon as he sits out, I call the Cowboys and fleece them for what they want to give up for him. Goodbye. You know that Ira? I, and not goodbye to you. Goodbye to him. No, I wasn't saying goodbye to Ira. Sorry if they let Ira go. I wasn't trying to say goodbye to Ira. I was saying goodbye to him. Uh, you know what? If the Cowboys want him, you know what? Fleece the Cowboys. 
That's it. Because a guy like that, that he's showing you. Go in. What I would tell him right now if I were the general manager is, you know what? Prove to me you're invaluable. How are you invaluable to me now? You're 16 and 32. You were out there playing in these games. Lead my team so that we're not 16 and 32. And then I'll pay you whatever you want. If you were 32 and 16, you'd have something to argue about, about getting a new contract. At 16 and 32, how do you argue that? And how do you bring up Mahomes? He just won a Super Bowl. <laughs> come on. Bring it up, Mahomes. You can compare yourself to Mahomes? Like, come on. First of all, he's a quarterback. Secondly, come on, the guy just won a Super Bowl. You're on a team that you haven't won, had a winning season yet. See, guys come and they, and they proclaim, and the media helps out to them, a lot of it. Oh, this guy's great. Pay him. What do you mean he's great? He's great when he makes my team win. Then he's great. You know when the Giants won when Shockey left? Everyone was, oh, Shockey can't leave with me. Oh, he can't replace a tight end line. Ernie Quinn said to me, this guy's going to be as big as Mickey Mantle. I said, Ernie, what, what world are you living in? Shockey never did anything after he left here. I mean, come on. People get crazy with players. If you're losing with a player, he's not invaluable. You've already lost with him. How about if he's winning, you don't want to lose him. I understand that. He's winning games. You want him to stay. You can't win any games. What the heck do you care if you change the whole team? Hey, I already lost with you. Brian in Connecticut. What's up, Brian? Mike, I had the opportunity to watch Uncut Gems on a flight uh, yesterday. Okay. Phenomenal. Well, you know, listen, Adam was phenomenal. I was in there for about, you know, a minute. So, I mean, I wasn't phenomenal, but I did a decent job. But, I mean, but Adam did a great job. That's what I, that's what I was getting at. Listen, perfect role for you. You played it to a T. But, but Sandler, I mean, he was great. He was great. But, you know, I, I watched all his movies. Some of them too farcical for me. Others were okay. Others maybe, you know, laugh out loud. But it was usually comedy from him. I thought... The, the job he did was outstanding. I, I agree. I agree. And you know what's amazing about that movie, too, is he's in every scene. He's not, he, he doesn't leave the screen. Everything happens to him in the movie. It's not like he's in and out of the movie. He is the movie. That's a good point. You know, I, I didn't think of it that way. But listen, um, the director, the producer, uh, I, I thought they, everybody that they cast, I thought was phenomenal. The, the Jewish guys in the pawn shop. No, he was great. They were great. And those guys, I mean, a couple of them were real. They were real guys. That's what they did for a living. That's, I mean, they were authentic. And listen, wow. they, they knew what they wanted. They, and, and that's what, to me, and listen, I've never made a movie. I, I mean, I've never been a director. I'm not, I, I wouldn't tell a director how to do his job. But what I always think about is you have to envision – what I and thanks for the call. What I always envision is a guy who's going to make a good movie is a guy who knows what the movie is in his head. And to me, when I met with these guys, and they had grown up, they gave me the same typical, "Hey, you know, I, we listened to you in the back of uh, father's car, you know, growing up," which I've heard nine million times through the years. 
And when I met with them, they had this movie in their head. They outlined the whole thing for me. And they said, here's what we want from you. And I said, got it. You know, done. That's, that's easy. And it was easy for me. So what they gave me to do was easy for me to do. I mean, that was it. They, gave me, they didn't give me a script. They, they just said, here's what we want you to do. React to this. And that's what I did. Frank in Manhasset. What's up, Frank? Mike, how are you? Uh, Good. Super excited for the horses uh, in the Belmont. Looking forward to hearing Brad tomorrow on the show. A quick question, though. Uh, I'm really concerned about the health of the horses. Do you think that they'll be wearing masks or even the jockeys? Uh, I know you're not serious about the horses. Uh, I, 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 I think it's a fair question about the jockeys. I don't know if they will be wearing masks or not. I, I think they are pretty far away from each other. So I don't know if they will. Obviously, I know you're just obviously being facetious about the horses. Uh, but um, as the jockeys, you bring up a fair point. Just like there are other parts of the – and thanks for the call. There are other parts of, of the sports world where people haven't thought about the referee, the linesman, all the different officials in the NFL, uh, the basketball officials, the age of the NBA head coaches, uh, the age and the shape of the umpires. You've got a lot of umpires who are not in a category where they can get sick, age-wise or in the shape they're in. A lot of them aren't going to want to – you know, some NBA coaches who are older don't want to participate, and that's their want. So there are a lot, there are so many issues and so many I's to dot and T's to cross in all these events. It makes team sports coming back so hard. I mean, to me, there are so many things that are going to happen that they haven't even thought of yet. And maybe they've sat around and thought of a lot of them, and I'm sure they have. I'm sure the, uh, the NFL, I'm sure they've sat around and thought of, uh, you know, 100 pages worth. But there'll be a couple they didn't think of because that's just the way the world works. And the biggest one that you have a problem answering is this. You are into the second round of the NBA playoffs and the freak gets the virus. Or... You know, Kawhi gets the virus. Destroys the whole credibility of your playoff. You know, you had an NFL game and, you know, today, here's a perfect example, okay? I don't know if you saw this. I wanted to mention it, so I'm glad I just remembered it. Let me get to the exact story. Okay. Texas, 13 players test positive for the virus at Texas. 13 players. Okay, and I'm just told now by the, someone who knows that the jockeys will wear masks, so they will. Okay? It's optional for the horses, but uh, the jockeys will wear masks. That, that is true. Uh, yes, they will. Okay, it makes sense. I mean, it does make sense that they would uh, that they would wear them. Um, Thirteen players tested positive at UT. I mean, how many 
How many shuts you down? All across the state, other universities have also reported student-athletes testing positive. Some schools are not naming them because they think it's a HIPAA violation. Um, just four days after the University of Texas began voluntary summer workouts, 13 athletes tested positive for the virus. All 13 are now self-isolating, while 10 others are also in quarantine. That's 23 players. They've been there a couple of days. What are we looking at here? You think this is going to be easy? Last week, two players tested positive at Texas. Before they could get them quarantined, now 13 have it. So think about that. You're talking about one school that had summer workouts. They didn't play a game yet. They didn't have serious, intense workouts yet. They're just getting started. They had 13 guys test positive. Unbelievable. I mean, how much of this is going to be, you know, allowable? How many shuts a team down? What about, what about, has anybody thought about just, again, you can play with, you can be there without these guys, and a lot of them aren't going to be at the stadiums. My understanding is with baseball announcers, you're going to be allowed to go to the home games, and you're going to do it from a studio for the road games. But do you know how many of the, uh, there are 22 announcers in the American League over 60. 22 announcers in the American League over 60. This is not going to be easy. There are so many things. And remember, now you are seeing outbreaks. The outbreaks, I was talking to someone who was in Florida today. And they're heading back up here next week because Florida has completely gone wild now. There's been an enormous outbreak in Florida. Maybe you saw those scenes about Florida and the governor talking about how the state's wide open and we're not having any problems. Well, Florida now has the largest outbreak in the United States. So we're not through this yet where we can talk about sports like, like it's a fait accompli. That's back. It's not back. The golfers handle it, but golf is one guy, and he's out in the fresh air, and he doesn't have to be next to anybody. He doesn't have, you know, a bunch of teammates. He's not in a locker room with a bunch of same guys. I mean, he can stay pretty much to himself. I mean, it's like you going out and play golf and me playing golf. I haven't even gone in my own I haven't even gone in my own locker yet this spring at the clubs. I, I belong to two clubs. I have not been to the locker at either club. I've kept my clubs in my trunk. I've worn my, kept my shoes in my trunk, and I've gone from there to the cart or without a cart, and I've played. I have not been in either locker room yet this year. Most of the time the locker rooms weren't open. I believe they're open now. I'm not even positive. I think they are open. But you have to wear a mask in, and I didn't bring a mask, so I, wasn't, you know, I, I, I don't need a mask to play, but I need a mask to go in the locker room. So we're not there yet with this stuff. Economically, obviously, we're not there with baseball, but then they have a lot of things. And then I heard, oh, you know, people buying that football could play in a bubble somewhere. Are you serious? 
You're going to play the entire National League inside a, inside a bubble? What are you, out of your mind? How many bubbles are we going to have? I mean, we have one for each division, one for each conference. We have three bubbles, four bubbles, six bubbles, eight bubbles. How are we going to have? One big bubble, everybody playing the same bubble? What state's that going to be in? I mean, some of the stuff you hear is just people who either don't know anything about sports or anything about football are just a clueless. I mean, come on now with this stuff. Where are you going to have a, a place to field and, and house the entire National Football League? Are you serious? Do you know the training facility you need for each team? Do you know how big the NFL staff is for each team? And how many meeting rooms they have? How many training rooms they have? Each NFL team is a corp, a major corporation in its in its entity. It is a major company. It is a major corporation. If you've ever been through an NFL facility, they are. It's like going. It's like going to a big company. This is not. This is not. You know. You know, mom and pop football. I hear, oh, we're going to have everybody under the same bubble in the NFL. What do you, come on now. Explain to me where that is. It better be on Mars because that's about the chance you have of pulling it off. Where are you going to build that facility by the, by the, by the time they start the NFL season? I got to see that. And you're going to quarantine those NFL players and they're going to listen too. They're not going to go out at night. Oh, no, no, no. They're going to listen. <laughs> Good luck. None of them will go out. Not one of them. Just like they don't go out before the Super Bowl. They have to put guys on the elevators to keep them in the night before the Super Bowl. You think you to keep the players in? You think you're gonna have them stay in for two or three months in the summertime? I mean, people, I'm telling you, people with this stuff that talk about it live in Never Neverland. Matt, Los Angeles, what's up, Matt? Is Jamal Adams a great player? There's no doubt about it. But I'm not is, he a great, is he a great player? No. Not yet. He's got a good talent. He's a, he's, a, he's a talented player, but he's not a it, What I call a great player, how would he be a great player? First of all, how would, he, how would you tell me what, made, what has made him a great player? Oh, I, don't, I didn't ask. That, I didn't say he is. I'm asking rhetorically. No, he is not a great player. No, he is a, a talented player, player who, could, who could become a top player, but you can't tell me a safety on a, th- a 16 and 32 team is a great player. And there it is. Agreed. We're talking about a luxury position. We're not talking about an edge rusher. We're not talking about a quarterback. We're not talking about a quarterback. Hey, it's a very it's become a very important position in the league if utilized right. He can get to the quarterback, he can handle he can make tackles, he can play all facets of the position. 
He is a very useful player. He can become a very talented player. But has he impacted his team? If his team was 32-16, and 16, I'll listen to him. His team is 16-32. and 32, I don't want to hear it. And not to mention, he still has two years on a contract, plus two franchise tags that the Jets can use on him. Correct. He's so a long way from going anywhere. Poverty, and and in the fifth year, he's going to get $10 million. Exactly right. And then in his franchise year, he's going to make a ton of money by then. And you know what? And then he'll get his chance to be, but he doesn't want to wait because he wants to take the risk out of the sport. That's what he wants to do. That's his agent talking. What he really wants to do is he wants to go to the Dallas Cowboys. That's what he really wants to do. All right, and look, people could say same old Jets. I understand they want to do that, but guess what? Yes, they have not drafted well the last 10, 20, 30 years, but this is not a franchise quarterback that we're talking. This wasn't Sam Darnold that came in and has turned the franchise around, leading the league in touchdown passes. This is a safety. Listen, here's how you judge it. Here's how you judge it. You you made good points, but here's how you judge it. Here's how you look at it. You rip that contract up if you believe at this point you cannot live without that player five years from now. Do you believe that? Agreed. It's been tough lately to really connect with friends and family, but I recently downloaded Hello. the app Poker Face. And it- what happened? How long ago? All right, let me come back and say goodbye. All right, I guess we're back. I guess we had some technical difficulties and we dropped out, folks. I apologize for that. I'm not sure exactly when in the conversation we dropped out, so I apologize for that. My point is this. You ripped that contract up, which was $22 million for four years with a big signing bonus, $9.9 million in the fifth year, and then you can franchise them, which is going to cost you a lot of money to do. You ripped that contract up when you, as a team, cannot fathom living without that player down the road where you cannot think of, I can't let this guy get to free agency. Kansas City thinks that about Mahomes right now. Would you think that about Adams? I wouldn't. About a safety? Is he, can he become a top player? Yes. Has he, with his impact, has he changed the fortunes of this franchise? The answer is no. That's what makes a player great. Individual things or telling me he's got ability to be one of the best safeties doesn't make him an indispensable player. What makes him an indispensable player is when I can't fathom living without him and I don't think I can win without him. They have proved they can't win with him so far. They have to prove they can't win without him. He has to prove he's indispensable. He has yet to prove that. Shut up and play. I apologize for when we dropped out. Uh, Brad, tomorrow, we'll preview all the races. Be here at 6. We'll see you then. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 